You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com. Welcome to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Layla Mutin. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening to me weigh in on critical topics, or at least I find compelling, that I want to bring to you. And I enjoy hearing from you, your questions, your topics of interest. You can email me to questions at drhoffman.net. That's questions at drhoffman.net. Are you taking a PPI? Are you taking omeprazole, a.k.a. Prilosec, Zegarid? Are you taking Protonics? I'm talking to those folks who are taking Nexium, Prevacid, Prilosec, Zegarid, Protonics, Asifex, these are proton pump inhibitors. Well, guess what? There is new research that indicates that the cumulative use of these proton pump inhibitors, of these PPIs, is associated with dementia development. We've heard about this a little bit before, but this takes a little bit of a deeper dive, and that's why I'm compelled to bring this to you today. And another reason is that these PPIs are among the most frequently prescribed drugs in the United States and Europe, especially among people over age 65. But you know what? I'm finding it's prescribed along the whole lifespan, the spectrum from children through young adults to adults to elderly, and some have been on it for years. If you read the directions on these things, they, they're really not supposed to be prescribed for more than a short period of time, like three to six weeks at most. But many of you are taking this for years. A 2022 analysis reports that PPIs are inappropriately used about 50% of the time in both outpatient settings and hospital settings, with misuse especially prevalent among the elderly, 
This is troublesome, given that PPIs may contribute to dementia. Now, in the ARIC cohort study, that's the Atherosclerosis Risk and Communities Cohort Study, ARIC study, is a project from the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute that took place between 1985 and 2021 to investigate the causes of heart disease and the clinical outcomes in adults from four communities in the United States. A recently published study in neurology analyzed this ARIC data from nearly 6,000 dementia-free participants looking at current and cumulative PPI use. With cumulative use defined as the number of years from the date of the first visit. <clears throat> the researchers found that participants who use PPIs for more than four years from mid to late life, they had a higher risk of developing dementia later in life compared to non-users. Short-term use in midlife and current use in late life was not associated with an increased risk of dementia. So again, short-term use is okay. As with pretty much anything, short-term use, right? And then you stop using it. But it's this cumulative and long-term use that is problematic and associated with an increased risk for dementia. Now, the researchers say, while the direct underlying mechanism for this association has not yet been clearly established, the researchers describe two possible pathways. One is an impaired amyloid metabolism. You know about the amyloid plaques in the brain that is associated with Alzheimer's disease. That's what they're talking about here. So they're thinking that there are two possible pathways that are the underlying mechanism for dementia. And one is the impaired amyloid metabolism. And the second being a B12 deficiency. Not only has research identified a link between B12 deficiency and Alzheimer's and dementia, but it also shows that supplementation can help or even reverse cognitive decline. Anybody who is complaining or concerned about mild cognitive impairment, dementia, Alzheimer's, they need to be checked for B12 deficiency. Absolutely. And especially if you've been taking a PPI. Why? Because that proton pump inhibitor, that PPI, is reducing the amount of acid secreted in your stomach. Well, guess what? That acid is useful. That acid helps to digest your food and absorb the nutrition from your food, including B12. When we don't have enough acid, we don't get the nutrition, and we wind up with deficiencies 
lichen B12, as well in magnesium, calcium, iron. For example, when I see a patient in our office, say a woman in her 40s, who's been taking a PPI for several years, and she has clearly established osteoporosis, we know why. It's the use of the PPI. She's low in magnesium, calcium, probably D, among other things. We need our stomach acid to digest and absorb our food and nutrition, and we need our stomach acid to protect us from foodborne illness. This is a fact. So what are the adverse effects of PPIs according to these researchers here? And by the way, I'm bringing this to you from Integrative Practitioner, a nice journal. So in addition to B12 deficiency and the subsequent risk of dementia, a 2021 review identified a number of side effects associated with PPI use that involves nearly every major organ or system in the human body, including the central nervous system. It can cause headache or hepatic encephalopathy. Respiratory, it can cause pneumonia. Even COVID-19 is listed here in that regard. Cardiovascular, an adverse effect of PPIs on the cardiovascular system is stroke or a heart attack. Gastrointestinal, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, constipation. Hey, when you don't have stomach acid, you're not digesting, you're going to get constipated. You might have abdominal pain. You may have nausea and vomiting. In addition, you may develop SIBO. See, our stomach acid is critical. And when you're not making the stomach acid because you're taking a PPI, you're getting a more alkaline pH in your system. That is not good in the small intestine. It's setting up opportunistic bacteria to grow and cause SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which we are seeing more and more and more these days. And you know what? It is associated with the frequent use of PPIs. We're seeing more SIBO. Adverse effects of PPIs also include its effects on the kidneys, acute interstitial nephritis, that's inflammation, acute kidney injury, chronic kidney disease. By the way, we are seeing more and more chronic kidney disease show up and we're kind of throwing our hands up in the air saying, why? Well, guess what? Have you, are you using PPIs? That's a contributor. The liver. Oh no. Hepatocellular carcinoma. You know what that is? Liver cancer. Liver cancer. These are some of the adverse effects of PPIs. An infection like C. diff, C. difficile, a type of salmonella, a camphalobacter, and a spontaneous bacterial peritonitis. Oh my, you see the importance of this acid in the stomach. It's got the pH equivalent to lemon juice. It's that acidic. It is there for a reason to help us digest, absorb, and to protect us from foodborne illness. Adverse effects of PPIs on the musculoskeletal system. 
osteoporosis, myopathy, hip fracture. We know there's a definite association with osteoporosis. And the adverse effect of PPIs on the blood? Iron deficiency, right? You're not going to absorb your iron if you don't have enough stomach acid. Hypomagnesemia, that's low magnesium. You're not going to absorb your magnesium. And calcium deficiency, you're not going to absorb these critical minerals if you don't have enough stomach acid. So, according to these researchers, because of this long list of potential side effects, PPI use should be limited to the shortest time possible at the smallest effective dose. This latest study adds to the growing data indicating that long-term use of PPIs can be dangerous. So, let's talk about some natural treatment of GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease. So, we know that your Prilosec, your Nexium, your Asifex, you know, all Omeprazole-type products, PPIs, are primarily used to treat GERD symptoms, including a burning pain in the throat or the chest, belching, bloating, nausea. And while the PPIs are effective at symptom relief in the short term, they don't address the underlying issues that may be causing the problem. An integrative, natural approach to GERD begins with a thorough evaluation of lifestyle factors that are contributing to the condition. For example, losing weight, stopping smoking. Hey, even those of you taking nicotine gum, you might have some GERD. It's a problem. So, losing weight, stopping smoking, maybe reevaluating your use of nicotine gum. Limiting alcohol may help reduce GERD symptoms without resorting to medications. Some herbs can also help with symptom relief. We love deglycerinizated licorice. That's DGL. It's been shown to be effective at reducing the symptoms of GERD. Aloe vera has been shown to provide safe, effective relief of GERD symptoms. And a 2020 review also demonstrated that probiotics can help with GERD symptoms, specifically heartburn and regurgitation. And other effective integrative approaches to treat GERD include melatonin. Yeah, that's sleep aid melatonin mind-body techniques, and acupuncture. So it's clear that there are more holistic and safer ways to treat GERD. And an integrative approach utilizes dietary supplements to provide symptom relief, along with diet and lifestyle advice to get to the root cause. Hey, many of you with gluten sensitivity or intolerance, and if you've got GERD, you need to stay away from gluten. Staying away from gl- gluten is a primary cause of GERD. But guess what? 
Gluten is also a cause of GERD, even if you do not have a gluten intolerance or allergy or sensitivity or celiac or anything like that, right? So you don't have to be allergic to gluten. You don't have to be sensitive or intolerant to it. Simply removing gluten can help with your GERD symptoms in a very, very big way. Other things like removing acidy foods, at least in the short term, tomato products, uh, coffees and teas. There's a lot of acid. It's not the caffeine. It's the acid. Things like citrus, orange, grapefruit, lemon, lime, all of these are problematic if you're experiencing GERD symptoms. So until we get the GERD under control or get to the root cause of it, it's beneficial to eliminate these foods for a period of time. There is a such thing as low acid coffee out there. Some people have terrible trouble with raw onions, broccoli, garlic. You're better off cooking them. A lot of this is tolerated if you cook them. Certainly stay away from spicy food, hot sauce, cayenne, those kind of things that may aggravate your GERD. You know, not like that Pepsid commercial where you see Larry the Cable Guy seeing, you eat that spicy chili dog or whatever it may be. Just take your Pepsid. You don't want to do that. You want to remove the offending foods. You want to take some DGL, maybe some glutamine, maybe some aloe. Maybe you want to say, take some endorphin powder or some GI Resolve or Slippery Elm. Marshmallow, all of these are contained in some of these products, is very, very beneficial to help soothe and to help to repair the gastric mucosa, which is the lining, uh, uh, the, the stomach lining, the esophageal uh, lining as well. And you know what else is very, very helpful, which is surprising? Your posture. I've had a couple of cases, and this was in young people, not elderly people with hunched backs or maybe some severe osteoporosis or something. If you're eating over, if you're eating over your desk and you're hunched over, and then you continue to be hunched over working at your desk, you need to be sitting up straight for digestion to occur. You don't want to eat your dinner and then lie down on the sofa with the remote to watch your favorite television programs. You need to be sitting up at least for a period of three hours, to let gravity do its thing. So your stomach contents can kind of move down. If you must lay down, try to lay down on your left side, but be at an incline, maybe a 45-degree incline. That helps. Or, you know, if you're working late, you're eating dinner late, and you're going to go to bed soon, try to lay down on your left side rather than on your back rather than on your right side, it is helpful. But it's best to finish eating your dinner three hours, minimum, three hours before bedtime. This is helpful. There is a long list of foods to avoid for your GERD symptoms, but not everything on that list will apply to you. Maybe you're okay with oatmeal or gluten-free oatmeal, but maybe you're not. And if you do have GERD uh, on a daily basis, it's kind of hard to tell what's causing it. It's best to eliminate most of it 
and get on some protocols like the aloe, like the DGL, and see what that does for you. You don't want to just take licorice. It's got to be deglycerizated licorice. The glyceric acid is removed. This is important. Glyceric acid in licorice is responsible for spiking blood pressure. It messes with our potassium levels. It depletes potassium and increases sodium. So you may be wondering why you're gaining weight, especially water weight. That's why. That's what licorice does. So it's got to be deglycerizated licorice, meaning the glyceric acid is removed. This is very, very important. So, hey, it's time to reevaluate your use of your proton pump inhibitors because it is associated with dementia development. I welcome your questions, topics of interest. Send them to questions at drhoffman.net. I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In. This is Intelligent Medicine. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.